Everybody and welcome to episode 26 of the Handsome Hockey Podcast. I am Jake. Sitting across from me is Evan. Hi. Hi, Evan. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hi. Anyways, <laughs> it's uh, Easter Sunday. Happy Easter. Connor McDavid is risen. Praise be him. Praise be. You know, today, Easter Sunday, we always take time to remember the time that Paul Korea died for all of our sins. And then came back four minutes later and scored a goal. Scott Stevens as Brutus. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, Pontius, Pontius Pilate. Pilate. <laughs> I got to get my... Well, uh, it works. I, I got to get my dead Romans right. <laughs> it's, you know, it's hard. You know, they all end in us. Like, eh, hard to keep them straight. Yeah. I actually went and looked at that date. I was like, where is that in relation to April 4th? And it was like June 4th. But well, yeah, and because Christmas is definitely Jesus's birthday, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The that, day that Connor McJesus was born. Oh, I mean, he was he was laid in a manger, but it was in like Saskatchewan. So April Fool's Day is just behind us. And I saw a couple of things that were kind of fun, notable. The Buffalo Buttes put out a fake jersey that I loved. It was a Buffalo Wings jersey. And the stripes were buffalo sauce and celery. Yeah, and it had sauce spills, uh, stains on it. It was a white jersey with orange stains, and I thought that was good. Also, everyone was ironically liking Patrick Kane on Twitter. That was kind of funny. You know, all of these Canucks Twitter people saying, Oh, yeah, Patrick Kane, such a nice guy. Love him. They already had, two weeks ago, they had the takedown of Barstool, so they had Mm -hmm. to do something to ramp it up for April Fool's Day. <laughs> the favorite thing I saw on just like regular social media is a dad convinced his daughters that their school was restarting that day. Uh, you know, we're going back to in-person school today and got them as far as the car and then got them to check the date and they both, they all freaked out. Maybe the most critical April Fool's Day joke that was played on us was the Blackhawks playoff hopes. You know, they've now lost a couple games to the Nashville Predators and kind of sliding down the standings now that they no longer have played more games than everybody else it's not looking hot it was fun while it lasted but it's kind of turned into a little bit of an april fool's day joke we'll get into this a little bit later when we talk about the trade deadline a little bit more but there's really only two battles left Mm -hmm. in the nhl for playoff spots right which is arizona and st louis and then whatever mess happens in the central. Yeah. And the Blackhawks could still come out of there, but it's not looking like that's going to happen. I mean, Nashville has soundly defeated them a couple times in a row and the Blackhawks were overshooting where we thought they'd be this season. And it was good for the fans to have them in some semblance of contention for a long time, but it kind of looks like they're like Kirby Dot came back and he hasn't looked particularly good. He's been like losing face offs. Like it's his job. Well, he broke his wrist. Right. It, it You know, it's going to take time for him to come back, especially as a young player who is also a giraffe. But yeah, they've gotten smoked a couple times and, and are falling down the standings and it doesn't look great. When you have some of the worst goals against numbers in the league, despite having had Kevin Lakenen playing like mm-hmm. God for pr- the better part of two months, it's not looking sweet. Yeah, he has played well, but if you faced 35 shots plus a game you're gonna be on the wrong end of that at some point they eventually go in is what you're Mm -hmm. saying speaking on the wrong end of goals buffalo won my first reaction was gonna be like to go yay but like (laughs) should we really we could applaud them for having a winning streak because they have also since beaten the rangers so that's that's cool you know good job buffalo but uh the streak of futility was impressive. So they went 18 games without a win. It's a losing streak. But the NHL bent over backwards to call it a winless streak because in one of those games, they lost an overtime and gained a point. And it was like, okay, come on. They still lost. Who cares? 
how big of babies are NHL GMs and owners where they're like, you need to give us a point for this. <laughs> we made it to overtime, but you still lost. No, we made it to overtime. I want my participation trophy. Give me half a medal. <laughs> I think I'm on the record at some point of saying that they need to completely redo how points are given out in the NHL. It's complete bubkiss. I don't think loser points should be a thing. Either bring back ties and give one point that way or get rid of the loser point and let's move on and be happy. I don't hate the loser point in that I'm just used to it. Sort You're of numb to it. Right. If they, you know, were to make a change and say, just like the NFL did, going 16 to 17 games, I'm like, <gasps> what the hell? I'm, you know, I would just be confused for a second and then I'd get used to that too. Yeah, well, that just means you get one more week of fantasy football. For the NHL, though, it's bad enough that you get a point for losing in overtime or shootout. It's even worse that the team that beats you only gets one more point than you. Yeah, so, I always thought that was kind of <laughs> like, why, why are we rewarding mediocrity almost as much as we are rewarding success? And you see that manifest itself late in the third period sometimes when it's close and then both of the teams play like they have tight buttholes and don't even want to, you know, leave their own zone half the time. I mean, that's where I noticed the loser point motivation come into play the most negatively, I suppose. I will give the NHL credit. Three on three overtime is awesome. It's oh, yeah. a lot of fun. If we could just keep doing that instead of going to a shootout for like another five minutes, I think that would improve the format so much better because three on three overtime is it's amazing and shootouts are only fun when somebody does something amazing like if it's just a normal shootout you're like oh wow that was climactic it's like the last three minutes of every basketball game ever <laughs> where i just i'm like oh cops is on click <laughs> tell me who won i thought cops got canceled no it's coming back dude wait really yeah so cancel culture lost one. Yes. The thin blue line never gets <laughs> never gets thwarted. <laughs> the only thin blue line I believe in is the Red Wings defensive depth. Yeah. So Buffalo, I, I don't feel any joy or glee or anything for Buffalo about them getting off the streak like it i i'm glad that they did so i don't have to hear about it anymore they're mm -hmm. still awful they're like <laughs> they're still the worst team in the league by like six points good for them you know hopefully it's some boost of content uh, of confidence the beat goes on like it's not like right like, like they still have to s sell off that whole team but. yeah oh no i mean they'll kevin adams will probably convince himself that they're a contender <laughs> could have been a contender but you know it, you can see them playing a lot harder under dan granado i mean they just look like a completely different team so that you know there's some signs of life there we're happy for them they did beat up on the lowly philly flyers and carter fart after narrowly coming close and then just losing after giving up a 0-3 lead so you know it took them their second swing at beating the flyers but they did do it in convincing fashion. Yeah, it was a 6-2 final, I think. And then they, mm -hmm. I think they lost their next game, but then beat the Rangers last night, Saturday night. So, you know, I haven't, I haven't watched because I can't. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I don't want to. I watched a couple of games during that streak when Ralph Kruger was still around. Oh. And I could have also, like, put hot ash on the tip of my penis <laughs> like there <laughs> it would have been just as fun i would have maybe I, more exciting one of which i would i could have just like i would have blinked more i think <laughs> watching the sabers i'm happy that the dan granado era is more successful it's going to be short-lived regardless um, you think so? You think he's going right back to the there has there's the no trash way. heap of there's, history? There's no way that Kevin Adams can tie his first GM job to a first-time NHL coach because he won three games for the Sabres. Yeah, isn't that essentially what made Ralph Kruger into the Buffalo Sabres coach? Like, he had a hot minute and then got... Uh, yeah, he 
did pretty well in a European championship. And they're like, hire that guy. <laughs> What's he doing right now? Something with soccer. Hire that guy. <laughs> Buffalo is steamrolling their way towards being disappointed when they don't get the first pick. They, I mean, they're, they're guaranteeing themselves nothing worse than third. So good for them. Uh, I think, you know, third in a draft where nobody can scout anybody and half of everyone is sick. So yeah, winning the first pick this year is actually not good. Like I don't want the Red Wings to win the first pick this year. I'll take second, but yeah, this is, it's a crapshoot and it was all, it was already going to be a crapshoot because there's like six guys at the top of this draft mm-hmm. who you could legitimately say, oh, they're probably number one pick. They're probably right. a number. Use your six-sided dice from playing Dungeons and & Dragons and just pick one. Yeah, you use your like powers of observation spell to see through a wall and on the other side is Luke Hughes. And you're like, okay, he's the first pick. Yeah. But like... He's it, who I would pick first. I like Owen Power a lot, too. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's the other other decision yeah i also wonder like how much better your average dungeons and dragons player would be at being an nhl gm than most gms you know like if you just uh just conglomerate stats and roll dice and hire old decrepit white men like why not give that's uh, the easiest part there are so many old decrepit white men right so why not give a neckbeard from the local gaming place a chance and maybe he'll do better than kevin adams i mean the jury's still out on kevin adams he's had one off season with a shitty team but he might do better than like say the last three years of in san jose yeah that but you kind of look for more signs of life you look for more uh control of the ship and the kevin adams ship is running into the side of the suez canal he traded eric Stahl. He did. I mean, yeah. he might not trade Taylor Hall. Well, Taylor Taylor Hall control controls that. I mean, he's got. No, no I know, but clause. like everyone was saying, a huge part of their season would be whether or not they can get value for Taylor Hall after they fall out of the playoffs, and if they're not going to be able to do even that, like. But Taylor Hall has to prove that he's worth something, and he's been terrible. Well, he hasn't been all world terrible. His like underlying numbers have improved. He, He's playing hard. He came back from that puck to the face. Whereas if I were a red or a, a, a Buffalo player and I got a puck in the face, I would just be like, okay, see ya. You know, uh, have a good season. Going back to last episode, that's why we wear face cages. Mm-hmm. But still, you know, to come back and show his compete level, I mean, he's probably seeing his millions like slip out of the bank and he's like, that's I need to return his, to the ice. That's why he took his millions this year. At least he's seeing the ice, though, Mm -hmm. as compared to maybe the most somber storyline coming out of this week. The Canucks aren't going to see the ice anytime soon. Oh, no, no. As of right now, we're looking at about 20 members of the Canucks, both players and staff and an untold number of their family members as well. Jesus have all come down with COVID and it's positive tests and just illness. So Vancouver itself, the city of Vancouver, is going through a massive spike in a variant that was first found in Brazil. Normally, when you get a Brazilian, you go into the waxing salon and you're in and out in 20 minutes. This Brazilian, however, is a little bit more virulent than a, bur- a slight it- burning sensation in your crotch. We are hearing reports of players who cannot get out of bed. There was one tweet I saw that was to an unnamed player that was, yeah, I made it to the couch this day. I made it to the couch today. That's an improvement. Which, you know, normally I tweet that when I have a really bad hangover, but not a Brazilian exotic virus pulsing through my veins. Yeah, Yeah, it it sucks. One wonders what the hell the team is going to do because they are, they're the most played team. They've played the most games, but with such a rampant infection, like they're out of the playoffs. Do they just get shut the fuck down? Uh, Who knows? The question that we've seen all over kind of hockey Twitter and, you know, when people aren't being stupid and talking about how it's imperative to get the Canucks back on the ice, which no, it isn't. What's (laughs) imperative is that they are healthy and don't die. I mean, that is just Vancouver hockey Twitter. They they just well, that's they need to see that. Yeah, they just need to see their boys play because they have nothing else going on. 
right now. I mean, I, I kind of understand some stands being kind of obsessed with them just getting on the ice. But yeah, for the safety of everyone, they've got to do it the right way. And who knows if we see them on the ice again this season. It's it's rough. You feel bad for everyone, especially you know patient zero, Adam Gaudet. Um, he was the first person to be listed out. No one knows, you know, if he actually was patient zero and gave it to anyone else, but he's just the first one to be out. You know, his wife, Michaela, is sick, too, and tweeting about how they're both dealing with COVID symptoms. And our heart goes out to them because it. I'm pretty sure I had it at the very early start of COVID. And it sucks. It's real. And it just ruins your life for a couple weeks. We're coming to the point where we're late in the season. You mentioned this earlier. The Canucks aren't making the playoffs Mm -mm. outside of some sort of Canadian Jesus miracle. <laughs> I mean, they thought that they were going to maybe make the playoffs because they went on a run and then they're like, oh, we're not going to sell off all our shitty contracts. Well, Jim Benning thought they were going to make the playoffs. Right. right. Uh, and everyone was like, no, you should still be sellers at the trade deadline. Yeah. And now they can't sell anyone because everybody they is all sick. have COVID. Yeah. We're coming to a point where the NHL is going to have to make a decision on whether or not they need to the Canucks need to play for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. And it was different when Philly and Buffalo and Dallas and New Jersey all had those massive spikes. It was early in the year. There was time to make up those games. Correct. But they've already canceled this week's games. They're probably going to have to cancel next week's games. And those teams did not have the infection spike as fast. I mean, this happened in four days. Like we were just talking last week where I was guessing all teams were going to play their whole schedule. And now I would be willing to bet that they just shut it down. I mean, I obviously I don't know what the best course of action is here. I don't want to sit here and say they need to shut them down. And then, you know, that screws some things up. But the most important thing is letting these people resume their lives and be healthy Mm -hmm. and let this virus pass and get them the treatment and medical care that they deserve and then we'll figure out whether or not that the Canucks need to play again this year yeah also not infect other teams on the ice because we know that that is something that is very possible to happen but also one of the motivations for having these teams you know compete to the end of the year at least from the owner's perspective is you get fans back in the building start to recoup some of this massive amount of money you've lost this year while Vancouver is spiking and probably not going to have fans in the building anytime soon. So, oh, uh, well, most I think most Canadian teams are going to be very limited because Canada has actually been taking things seriously. What? Meanwhile, you know, Dallas is going to have full arenas by <laughs> probably tomorrow. Yeah. And I mean, even more germane places like Colorado are allowing fans back in the building in limited numbers. I mean, we are on some level happy to see fans return to buildings if they can do it in a relatively safe manner and you know keep keep numbers low keep infections low but all of america is spiking right now and you know we're seeing variants go through right as we're trying to increase vaccination numbers and we're seeing a lot more people resistant to vaccinations than we ever expected which is stupid, but, you know, people will be people and do things against their own best interest for reasons. So, you know, I guess the NHL and Canada and various jurisdictions just have to do what they have to do to try and keep their people healthy and safe. In closing, we hope Everybody in Vancouver, not just players and family members, but the city itself is being kind of ravaged right now. We're seeing a 19% spike in cases in the United States right now. Mm-hmm. It's it's not going away just because 18% of the United States is vaccinated. Like That's not enough to build the herd immunity that we need to even remotely think about getting back with our regular lives. Exactly. And so stay inside, wear a mask, and, you know show some respect to people in the world. Like let's, let's, let's actually end this instead of pretending like we can end it. Yeah. And how poetic is it that 
it's the dickheads that at the beginning of this were say pointing to Sweden and saying, now we just need to build up our herd immunity that are going to keep us from getting herd immunity by not accepting the vaccine because somebody had some bad effects from it. Maybe somebody like got COVID and died before they had full immunity and that made the vaccine look bad. And that story is like running through red media right now. It's just, it's dumb. There's an entire, you know, anti-vaccination campaign basically running underground and that's going to keep people dying. And that's bullshit. Yeah. And meanwhile, Sweden is getting crushed by COVID right now. Yeah. (sighs) Science. If only we would just listen to the fucking scientists doing real science and do what we need to do, we would probably be past COVID right now. I'm going to listen to Ben Shapiro. <laughs> You're going to listen to Ben Shapiro argue with a college student? I've and actually then, like post a video of it saying, Ben Shapiro slams college student. Ben Shapiro owns this 18-year-old freshman from NYU. I've actually only heard Ben Shapiro talk once, and that was enough. It's awful. Yeah. Just him talking is like taking a cheese grater to your forehead. Yeah. Or putting hot ash on the tip of your penis. (laughs) I, you know, never thought about doing this before, but... uh, It sounds better than listening (laughs) to Ben Shapiro ever talk about anything ever again. (laughs) So, you know what's almost as... uh, useless as ben shapiro the trade deadline so far yeah we could measure these trades in yawns i think uh if a trade falls in the forest does it make a sound do we want to measure them in yawns one out of five we'll just go through like the few that are like of people that we know yeah one to five yawns one to five yawns okay so uh let's go we'll go with this one first the los angeles kings acquire christian wallenin the Ottawa Senators acquire Michael Arm, um, Amadio. Um, excuse me, but who? Yeah, five yawns. <laughs> five, five yawns. <sighs> that's a that's a level five yawn right there. Okay. The Anaheim Ducks acquire Alexander Volkov. The Tampa Bay Lightning acquire Antoine Morand and a 2023 conditional seventh round pick. The condition is. The 2023 seventh-round pick will transfer to a 2024 seventh-round pick if Columbus receives the 2023 seventh-round pick from a previous condition in an Anaheim-Columbus trade. What? Are they just, like, moving paper? Like, yeah. (laughs) Is there an actual player in this deal? I will say this. Alexander Volkov has had a couple of good years in the AHL. Mm -hmm. Scored in, I think, his second game for the Ducks. Yeah, he's a real prospect. I've heard his name before. Forjans. Four yawns. That's that's what I'm gonna go with. Maybe three for all of the uh, random pick trading happening. Like that's a horse. That's a hockey horse trade. If there's ever yeah. one, we're trading more picks than we are players. Okay, here's here's trade number three. The Chicago Blackhawks acquire again <laughs> Vinny Henestroza coming back home. The Florida Panthers acquire Brad Morrison. That's that's three yawns, but mostly made hilarious by uh, Vinny. who's a Chicago native coming back and allowing us to talk about all of the former Blackhawks reacquired by Stan Bowman after being traded away. So Vinny Hinojstra, it joins a list of Brian Campbell, Daniel Carcillo, Adam Glendening, Nikolai Habibulin, Marcus Kruger, Andrew Ladd, Jeremy Morin, Johnny Oduya, Brandon Brandon Peary, Brandon Saad, famous Brandon Saad, uh, Patrick Sharp, Andrew Shaw, and then Christopher Stieg, who is actually, this happened to twice. Come on, man. Like, I understand, you know, people know the system, but. Stan Bowman doesn't have ideas. <laughs> I mean, maybe he just really likes these guys. I mean, maybe they're all good in the room players. Who the fuck knows? But I it's think it's hilarious. I think all of these trades happen when his dad is away. <laughs> like. His dad's on a fishing trip in the Caribbean and his phone <laughs> can't pick up a signal. And he's like, dad, dad, should I do this? And he was like, ah, Vinita And he punches the okay button because that's what you do. You punch a button for a trade because mm-hmm. uh, this is NHL 2021. Mm-hmm. And then Scotty like catches his 
pike. I don't know what, a, what you catch in the Caribbean. Uh, swordfish. Uh, yeah, a pike is what you would catch in like northern Canada. And, yeah. And that's sort of like you wouldn't really even want to keep a northern pike usually. I don't know. You, you kind of want a musky. It's a, he, it's a fucking barracuda. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, Scotty picks it up. He gets like they start trawling back to shore. And all of a sudden he gets finally gets cell service. And it's like 46 messages from his son frantically texting. Dad, 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 Vinny Hinestroza or Brandon Saad. Or how about uh, who's this? Who's this Connor McDavid guy? I don't know who that is. (laughs) I I just I I really need to make this trade. And Scotty calls him and is like, "Uh, son, is everything okay?" He's like, yeah, dad, don't worry. I figured it out. And he's like, oh, okay, well, cool. What happened? He's like, well, I traded for Vinny Hinestroza. And he's like, are oh, you son. F-? He goes, are you fucking kidding me, son? <laughs> and just hangs up the phone. And then the phone rings and rings. And he goes, oh, yeah, we were out of cell service again. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Stan. I just imagine there's somewhere in the Blackhawks building, like an assistant GM that, you know, says, hey, man, you traded for... Vinny Penestroza? And Stan says, yeah, Scotty doesn't know. (laughs) All right. uh, The next trade is Brendan Lemieux going to the Los Angeles Kings for a fourth round pick, which goes back to the New York Rangers. Interesting. I mean, I'm not a Brendan Lemieux fan. Apparently he asked for his trade out of New York. He saw the writing on the wall. You get a sense that maybe the Kings want him to continue the sort of physicality of their team into the future. You know, he's a young player. He plays with a lot of grit and they're going to use they're going to lose a lot of their sort of older gritty players in the near future. So I think it makes sense for a lot of the for the Kings. And uh, yeah, a fourth round pick is, I don't know, one step above a crapshoot. I think it's still three and a half yawns but Mm -hmm. like it's the best one we've covered so far yeah finally the blockbuster Ooh, juicy be ready for it the buffalo sabers acquired a 2021 third round pick a 2021 fifth round pick i know just got a little rumble in the jungle down there (laughs) for eric stahl what? what? <laughs> and notable because they didn't get the best third round pick or the best fifth round pick that Montreal actually had in their basket. Mostly just happy for Eric Stahl to get out Oh Buffalo. Good job getting out. Happy for you. Um, happy for Kevin Adams to get a trade happening and just start moving some pieces. But that's still, I think, three yawns. Out of five. Yeah, I mean, Eric Stahl is more coach on the ice now than he is an actual player. Uh, Jordan Stahl's still got some magic left. Yeah, he's still there. Yeah. I would like to see them, like, all on one team for a hot minute. That would be fun. Carolina just missed the opportunity there. They could have had Eric Stahl, Jordan Stahl, and Mark Stahl for probably... The pennies on the savory dollar, yeah. price of like three draft picks, but they probably would prefer to have those draft picks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, a uh, whole lot of nothing happening on the trade deadline. I mean, the waiver wire was equally as boring. Fucking Shane Gostisbehere being a notable cast off from his team. He's got four and a half million left for two years and kind of surprised nobody bit on that. He went unclaimed on waivers. He's a little bit of a controversial player in that he's an offensive defenseman and his numbers have been meh to bad the past couple of years. Yeah, he was rebounding a little bit this year. I think the big thing is with cap space being so weaponized right now, why would you take two years at $4.5 million off of somebody's hands for nothing when you could also get a third round pick or a second round pick or Mm -hmm. whatever off of saying, you know, Pierre Dorian can call up whoever the GM is in Philly. I don't remember right now, but, and be like, 
hey, I'll take that Shane Goss's bear, but only if you throw in a second rounder. You can swing for it. Why not? Right. Mm-hmm. And maybe that call happened and they weren't ready to part with a second rounder. You yeah. know, who knows? I think this is really just showing two things. One, purse strings are really tight. Mm-hmm. Even teams that have cap space have probably been told, hey, maybe don't use that. Right. We're poor. And I think it also shows that GMs are just not willing to take a four in this case a four and a half million dollar swing but like the red wings put evgeny sveshnikov on waivers he's not carrying any cap hit it's like nine hundred thousand, and he cleared and he's a serviceable bottom six guy and so i think you're really noticing that players uh, that teams aren't really really willing to only really goalies have been claimed off of the waiver wire this Mm -hmm. year and that was for teams that had no goalies yeah so and i think the trade deadline itself is shaping up to be really boring the preds and the blackhawks two teams who probably should be selling Mm -hmm. are both in a playoff hunt right so they're not going to sell like matthias at was the player that most people thought was the most likely to be traded in the Mm -hmm. nhl He's not going anywhere if the Preds are going in the playoffs. Right. And I mean, I think the Blackhawks should still sell and they both should. Yeah. Nashville should maybe sell off some of their other pieces, if not Matias Ekholm. But the playoff race structure and how it is shaping up is keeping the trade trade deadline dead. And that's fine. I mean, as a Red Wings fan, I would love to see them, you know, get a couple of picks for Bobby Ryan or Luke Lindenning or whomever. But you look at teams who possibly would look to add, probably Boston, I think, comes to the top. Their five-on-five oh, yeah. five numbers are not very good. They have one line that's serviceable at scoring goals. They need help. They're in fourth in the East right now. They have a significant cushion over uh, over the teams behind them, but they have no scoring depth. No. Uh, they whiffed on Mike Hoffman this year. Uh, so there's, I mean, there's a chance that they do something maybe taylor hall makes sense for them he does sort of in a way and you talk about mike hoffman you know maybe a taylor hall for mike hoffman to send him to st louis makes sense because st louis is kind of screwing up and and could use some scoring help um they could also use a goalie who's not making six million dollars a year to suck (laughs) yeah they could also use their franchise now franchise goalie turning it around but they also handed him that contract yeah. in this season so i have zero pity for them arizona has two goalies that are better than jordan bennington right now yeah but one of them can't stay healthy but yeah i was better. gonna say <laughs> anti is amazing but he can't stay on the ice to save his life he is probably the most snake bitten player i think in the nhl we talked about the preds we talked about chicago chicago almost can't sell now because patrick kane has just been willing and coaxing this team <laughs> well they're to like not be mediocre their best pieces to trade would be like dylan strome who just had a kid and is liked by the fans so he's a little bit difficult to trade matthias janmark who is probably their best bait trade he's had a cold streak and isn't looking so hot right now so you know, teams maybe will look elsewhere for a player. But yeah, all of the abundance of factors kind of driving down this trade market is shaping up for a very boring trade deadline. I mean, even if we get one big player move, probably a Taylor Hall. Maybe like a Dustin Brown or Alex Iafalo out of, I mean, those aren't mm-hmm. big trades, but at least it's like two yeah. yawns. Yeah. <laughs> and you're also, you look at, a team like Tampa, which is normally a major player at the deadline, mm-hmm. they're just sitting there waiting for Nikita Kucherov to yeah. come back. Like, <laughs> if you can bank the best player in hockey, yeah, he's at home, like doing like lunges and curls, fully healthy, just waiting for the last <laughs> six weeks of this season to play out. He's like ironing his socks. Yeah, he's just bored. He's he's practicing. He's just fully healthy, but he's like <laughs> their, their GM is just like. It's okay. It's okay, Nick. Yeah. Just just hang out for just, a little. When bit you're more. in public, just limp. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just crip walk. It'll be perfect. <laughs> you know what a crip walk is? No. Never mind that. Just limp. <laughs> Me no no crip walk. <laughs> I I don't think I've ever actually heard Nikita Kucherov speak, so I hope it's thoroughly thick Russian. I think it is. 
I don't think I've heard him speak either, and I think there's maybe a reason for that. They don't they don't trot the Russians out very often. No, I mean, that's one of the reasons that Panarin has been so popular is because he's super happy to talk to anybody, and even with his sort of broken Russian. Moving on, something really sad to see um, outside outside of the Canucks being decimated by COVID. This was probably the second worst thing that happened this week. Aaron Ekblad broke his leg in. I watched it once and will not watch it again. Mm-hmm. A f- fall where like his leg just got caught in the ice. His skate just got caught in the ice and his body decided that it was time to go down. And it looked real bad. You watched a hockey player writhing in serious pain. You watch guys get hit in the face by a puck and they go down and then they stay there for a bit and then they get up and skate to the bench and disappear down the tunnel. That did not happen with Aaron Ekblad. Like he was writhing in agony mm-hmm. on the ground. It was, it looked real bad. They're saying 12 weeks with a broken leg is how long he's out. Which it, is kind of almost weirdly good news because when it happened, you, you kind of thought ACL ligament tear. Career. Something. Right. A career altering injury. I mean, 12 weeks to me sounds like a compound fracture. So still not good. Incredibly painful. Probably more painful than an ACL in situ, but heals a lot faster. So they're not even writing him out for the entire playoffs and saying 12 weeks. Yeah. You if, know, if Florida makes a run. Which we hope they do. There's, you know, there's a good chance that, you know, Aaron could come back. Not a good chance. We'll say, we'll say there's a chance. Yeah. A small chance. And yeah. it would have to be a deep run. Yeah. And coming back for a playoff run when you haven't even skated for three months is that's that's a lot so and he's know. already been kind of snake bitten by injury he had concussions that he was dealing with early in his career and a couple of other various injuries so i guess chris pronger was involved with him in some way trying to coach him yeah or something coming he's back in from the, injuries he's in the uh he was in the organization okay when ekblad was dealing with that and so he kind of gotcha. helped him along yeah i mean it's obviously always bad to see somebody get injured but ekblad was finally you know the last two years i would say finally that number one pick overall he Mm -hmm. was playing outstanding hockey especially this year Uh, this year he'd been brilliant he was a physical presence he was popping up offensively he was patrolling the defense uh, their own zone like he was a shark with blood in the water (laughs) he was having a great year and it's really too bad to see somebody get to that point and get hit by a, by an injury of this magnitude. Yeah, the timing was it couldn't have been worse. So hopefully, you know, Florida's very securely in the playoffs. I don't think we have to worry about that. A woman just let her dog take a shit in your yard and walked away from it. <laughs> Savages. Maybe it didn't take a shit. I don't know. I can't confirm turds. <laughs> anyway. May have just peed. Yeah. But uh, I'll confirm on my way out. <laughs> it's like our neighborhood toilet for the dogs and, and people. And people. <laughs> <laughs> this that, is Portland. It was a great awkward pause, so I just had to kind of take advantage of it. No, that's perfect. I dodged a turd on the sidewalk the other day. I was like, that did not come from a dog. <laughs> that is too large. That is, <laughs> that's a Bernie's. <laughs> Bernie's don't eat McDonald's, <laughs> usually. Yeah. yeah, I can see corn. <laughs> Whoever this dog was, it did not chew. Um <laughs> anyways hopefully Aaron Eckblad can come back probably next year if we're being realistic about it Mm -hmm. and regain the form he was having this year but yeah that's really what you want to see is just him to perform at that high level that he was this year because he's had the potential for a long time and and struggled to live up to it so moving on to less somber news I think would be yeah the best way to put it the Calder race for just a moment heated up there yeah uh, it was exciting for yeah one split second a, a good week pia Suter <laughs> had pia Suter had scored a couple of goals to pull even with kirill kaprizov in the goals race mm-hmm. uh, and then kaprizov saw that and scored a goal in three straight games <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty much what Suter did too to pull even yeah. so so that's wide open again. Oh, you can do that? I can do that better. Yeah, and I'm beautiful when I do it. 
I think we are we are looking at some new names in the sort of rookie offensive leader category. Yeah, it was nice to see, you know, Kirill Kaprizov, who frankly has been running away with the rookie of the year trophy, have a little bit of competition and make it a little bit more interesting, if only as a shout out to the sports writers who need this kind of thing to do their job. But uh, Or us, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Jason Robertson, the stars, has had himself very quietly a very solid campaign. Yeah. Kaprizov's up to 31 points and he's sitting with a nice 24 points. Tim Stutzla, who's probably the leader of the young, young rookies, has 20 points behind him. And he's, what, 19? So Yeah. We've had you know some pretty good goaltending performances. Jake Ottinger in Dallas, Igor Shesterkin in New York, who is technically still a rookie despite mm-hmm. having played last year. Uh, Ilya Sorokin mm-hmm. in the aisle. Alex Nadalkovich, Vitek Vanacek. So there's there, it seems like there's a good crop of young goalies coming through. Probably the most two most prominent who aren't necessarily young but are new would be Kevin Lankinen and Kapo Kakinen mm-hmm. uh, from Chicago and Minnesota, respectively. While it is definitely Kirill Kaprizov's year and it's definitely his award mm-hmm. this year, there's actually been some really good young rookie play. And, oh yeah, and you know especially in the the goalie category because we talked about this a couple of weeks ago i think where the era of the workhorse martin brodeur type goalie who plays 72 of 82 games Mm -hmm. and for some reason still hasn't aged (laughs) uh that guy is probably gone yeah Uh, and or that era is probably gone outside of vasilevsky because he's he's a robot he's a russian built robot but kakinen i think has Maybe portends to be that. He, well, he, Talbot, T- Kem Talbot has played quite a bit in the mm-hmm. last couple of we- or the last week or so, kind of relieving some of the stress on him. We're seeing a kind of breath of fresh air of new goalie talent coming into the league, which is mm-hmm. nice to see. Maybe Ryan Miller won't have a job next year. <laughs> Finally. Uh, <laughs> Finally. <laughs> at, no, at like 49 years old. <laughs> Maybe Braden Holtby will finally get run out of the league. Oh, he's got like four more years on that deal or some shit, right? Yeah, but he's going to be in the AHL before long. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was really uh, astonished to see Philip Gustafson of the Ottawa Senators sitting. Uh, he has only played four games. Two of them are wins, but he has a 946 save percentage and 1.8 goals against. That's pretty impressive numbers playing on a bad team. Vitek Vanacek. You know, behind a good team, he has 15 wins. He's kind of the torchbearer this year. Yeah, totally. You know, I would maybe even vote for him ahead of Lankinen because of that. But Lankinen is doing doing it on a much worse team. He has 13 wins, backstopping the Chicago Younghawks. And we'd be we would be remiss if we didn't also mention Condre Miller for the Rangers, who has strung together a plus 13. Uh, For the casual listener, that means you've been on the ice for 13 more goals than have been scored against you. Amazing to see that on, you know, the Rangers, which have been kind of a interesting drama filled team all year. And he's just been back there doing a really good job. It's also amazing that Kaprizov is second behind him with a plus 10. Also amazing to me is that Ty Smith of the New Jersey Devils has currently equal to Kirill Kaprizov, a forward with 17 assists. Ty Smith is a defenseman for the also kind of cellar-dwelling New Jersey Devils right now. Ty Smith is one of those guys who kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, he's got a, the the high round pedigree, but mm-hmm. I don't think anybody expected him to kind of explode the way he has this year. And he's right. had a very solid offensive year in New Jersey. One of the few players there who can say that. So Yeah, they have had underwhelming performances from their other defensemen. And so he's picked up a lot of slack from PK Subban and uh, Damon Severson. You shut your mouth about Sammy Vatten and he is a gem. We rang that bell so hard in the off season. <laughs> you know, if he's a gem, he's maybe like uh, I don't know. Garnet. Yeah. <laughs> a rhinestone. But yeah. So obviously still Kaprizov all the way for the Calder. He's having a great year. And I really appreciate the fact that it's, He's also got the style points. Mm-hmm. He's oh, yeah. A beautiful skater, scores remarkable goals, had a hat trick. Like, he's he's one hell of a player, and I think we're going to have a lot of fun watching him for the next couple of years. Yeah, there's been some other upswells on that team, but he's been 
getting credit in the media from a lot of people as being the dis- the decisive difference this year that is making you know raised play across lines that he's not even on and um they've never know, had someone with that talent before right and so it's interesting to me that between the wild having him and capo kakinen and then the blackhawks having pia Suter and kevin lankinen like four of the strongest cases for the calder are distributed between the wild and the blackhawks and next year they get to play in the same division again so that could be fun what you know what else is fun boys behaving badly when good guys go bad <laughs> yeah it's like it's girls a- gone wild but it's star players <laughs> gone bad i think my favorite take on the mcdavid elbowing jesperi kakniemi in the face was uh connor if you know me Mr. McDavid, if you're nasty. I think I did that. You did that? Yeah, on Instagram. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Good job, Jake. Good job, me. (laughs) But yeah, Connor McDavid came across the ice and blatantly just elbows Cockney in the face. This is on the heels of, I don't know, months of Connor McDavid getting hit, held, hooked, slashed, as he does being faster and better than everyone else at hockey yeah he's been vocal yelling at the refs you know telling them i'm getting hit hooked illegally blah 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 and then he goes and does this and it's sort of like he's just finally exploded and he's you know not taking shit from the refs anymore and he says okay fine you're gonna allow this on me i'm gonna test you and actually make you call something you know speaking of like great players just being tired of being molested for being great. Like we had a moment where Austin Matthews was just summarily uh, cross-checked headfirst into the boards in an overtime game this week. And the on ice mics caught him as he skates to the bench yelling at the ref. You're fucking terrible. (laughs) You know, Kane got screwed with coming off of a face off and there's mics and, and cameras captured him like, tirading against the refs for a couple seconds you know at the back end of a shift and he's kind of a crybaby but we've had this sort of like i don't know relitigation of star players talking to the refs and how you know that fits into the greater scheme of dirty hits and such this week and and you know everyone's been talking about Sidney crosby and his talking to the refs over the years and blah 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 but at a certain point you know the nba i think is the most obvious candidate here for a league that protects its stars and for stars that work the refs like magic yes while i would be opposed to you know seeing more Sidney crosby type moments out there at the same time you want your game to be as beautiful as these players can make it you have to protect them a little bit right and sean mcindoe on puck soup this week brought up you know the the case of pavel Bure. yeah who who spent a season just getting absolutely destroyed by like early nineties era checks, which are Mm -hmm. 10 times as vicious as things this that you'd see in the modern NHL. They just like break a wood stick off and spear you in the gut. Pavel Bure elbowed a man in the face. It was not so much an elbow as it was like a full fledged, I'm going to fling my elbow into your eye socket sort of thing. <laughs> that was really the people's elbow. Yeah. And, like, you know, and you take the wrestling move and you just make it instead of vertical, you make it horizontal on ice. Yeah. And that's what that was. In communist Russia, elbows are for the people. <laughs> so Pavel Bure had some experience with it. We're seeing that now elbowing Asbury Kokaniemi. And I don't know, I don't know if there was something beforehand that had happened with the two of them, but like Kokaniemi is not the kind of guy who's going to be hassling and mugging Connor McDavid. So it's, you sort of got the sense that he was just the wrong player in the wrong place at the wrong time. And McDavid just got fed up and wanted to go kill somebody. That's also what happens when you don't protect these guys a little exactly. bit. When you have highly skilled guys who are brought to earth by guys who aren't as skilled as them, it boils over. Yeah. And oh, yeah. so call a penalty every once in a fucking while, and you don't have <laughs> Connor McDavid fucking blasting Jesperi Kokaniemi into next Tuesday 
the concussion risk is there. Like you don't have that as much if you just say, you know what? Stop fucking with Connor. I'm going to give you a two minute minor. (laughs) Yeah. One of the best hockey players I've ever had a chance to share time with. I used to ref in a league and also play with him. And he was a mile ahead of everyone on else on the ice. And I would be refing, and he'd be like, dude, I am getting hit. I'm getting hacked like on the hands all the time. You're not seeing it. Why the fuck aren't you calling it? You know, he'd get mad at me and we're friends. And and then eventually he would just be like, fuck it. Fine. And I think he just like Duncan Keith hacked someone across the chest with his stick like he was swinging an axe. And I finally called a penalty on him. He was like, fucking fine. About time you did that, dick. Again, we talked about this with the Tim Peel coverage. If you don't manage the game somehow... Men with weapons and knives on their feet will react how <laughs> yeah. they're going to. Yeah, they can lose control. Yeah. So call a penalty on Connor Garland every once in a while, and you probably don't have Nathan McKinnon throwing a helmet in his face like he's oh, bowling. That was just chef's kiss. Yeah. <laughs> I I can't say that I've ever seen a man return somebody's equipment by tossing it in their face before. <laughs> I've seen someone chuck someone else's stick out of the rink over the boards. Yes, that, that was definitely That's seen. super funny. I've happens. done that to, I've I've done that myself. Yeah. But yeah, the, this so Nathan McKinnon and for those of you who haven't seen the video, Nathan <laughs> McKinnon picks up Connor Garland's helmet at a distance of about 15 feet, 10 feet, 10 feet I'd say. Looks at him for a second, clearly contemplates things and then chucks it in his face and it's an underhand chuck it's Mm -hmm. not an overhand like vicious curveball but it's a it's a bit of a fast underhand chuck and it definitely catches him does he maybe oversell it a little bit when it catches him in the upper chest slash chin Eh, maybe probably whatever (laughs) 10 out of 10 nathan mckinnon for that beautiful gift i mean he got ejected for his efforts but thank god that it gave us the video of this because it's gonna go down as one of the funniest things that happened this year it brought a smile it brought joy and i don't have anything against connor garland no he's a fine player but the fact that Nathan McKinnon announced, I'm not up for the Lady Bing this year (laughs) by throwing a helmet at another man's face. And he is a past Lady Bing Award winner? He won last year. Yeah. The Lady Bing, for those that aren't already aware, is for sort of honorable play and sportsmanship. While also being very good. This was super funny also because... It, you can kind of Zapruder film it and like look at it from a couple different angles and who you focus on in the video kind of changes your outlook on what happened. Like if you look at Connor Garland as the helmet is being thrown at him, you're like, oh, yeah, this guy is getting assaulted. A helmet chucked at his face. And then if you look at McKinnon, pick up his helmet and kind of contemplate it and then look at him like, oh, Nathan McKinnon's just doing him a solid, you know? And and then it ricochets off his face. Yeah. And then you realize that he actually underhanded this thing like he's playing soft. And yeah, <laughs> that's an ejection well earned. It was it was hilarious. That's it what it was. It was hilarious. It was absolutely hilarious. The only thing that kind of rivaled the level of hilariousness was... The unfortunate mishap when Sidney Crosby got caught by a sniper. <laughs> if for those of you who haven't seen this yet, you know, just do a quick Google search. So Patrice Bergeron and Sidney Crosby are going for a face off. Now, Patrice Bergeron did catch Sidney Crosby in the face mm-hmm. a with bit the back of end of his stick. Yeah, not unintentionally, yeah, not on purpose. There's no like. Right. Forward they're both, movement. They're There's both no- turning as the puck goes away from the faceoff and he catches him. At the same time, Jared McCann catches also catches a stick square in the face. Two Bruins Do cross-checking it. two penguins in the face. Nice sticking, but yeah. Uh how never. My oh, let me grab my pearls here. Yes. Jared McCann takes the sh- the shot to the stick to the face. Clearly struggles with it, as one should, Mm -hmm. but then kind of writes the ship and skates off. (laughs) Sidney Crosby, on the other hand, 
flails like Willem Dafoe getting shot in <laughs> platoon by the VC. It's like there were trees in the arena and Charlie was hiding them. <laughs> like, I was thinking it sort of looked like the guy that got headbutted by Zenedine Zidane in the ill-fated France World Cup loss. Go figure. Sidney Crosby flailing after getting grazed in the mouth by I mean, a butt end. I thought it was in the nose. I thought he sort of got hit in the nose. But uh, either way, the first comparison that comes to your brain is an Italian soccer player. Oh, absolutely. Because he, he throws up both of his arms and like his cascades le- back. And his like- legs give way <laughs> yeah. as if they are suddenly made of pillows. <laughs> it's it's an Oscar worthy performance by a player who doesn't need to like you're already one of the best players in the history of hockey i mean he is not in any way a soft player but what he is doing is trying to get a competitive advantage like i think the Sidney crosby is a soft player take is kind of tired this guy is gutted through getting hit you know he probably didn't actually hurt that bad but he is trying to get a penalty call well i don't think it's so much about him being soft like i don't think anybody's Mm -hmm questioning his toughness as a player well, like i think he, a lot of people do but i think the i think that reputation comes from like we were talking about earlier the whining to the refs the mm-hmm. flailing like somebody took a cane to your kneecaps like <laughs> it's it's absurd like did he get hit in the face yes did it probably hurt yes probably is this embellishment absolutely (laughs) and the people defending him on twitter like no he got hit in the face he was bleeding like okay does that act warrant that reaction absolutely not (laughs) especially when a similar thing is happening at the same time and that player doesn't have that reaction Mm -hmm. we're not saying that that doesn't hurt when you get hit in the face with a stick we're saying that was embarrassing. It really was kind of like the perfect like double-blind experiment on Sidney Crosby embellishing calls. Like, I do really hope that when we finally see the career synopsis of Sidney Crosby, so like, you know, two, three, five years, however long he plays, and they have the, the jersey-raising ceremony at in Pittsburgh, and they have the career montage, mm-hmm. I hope they sneak this in there. <laughs> there will be, if there is not already, a amazing career montage of Sidney Crosby dives. Just like there is an amazing montage of Brad Marchand getting the shit kicked out of him. You know, all that doesn't for good reason. Right. That doesn't at all take away from my enjoyment of Sidney Crosby or Brad Marchand. Actually, it just sort of makes me appreciate that side of their game that much more. Like Brad Marchand gives it and he can fucking take it. And Sidney Crosby, he's been a star player his whole life. He's been a captain. He is doing everything in his power to gain a competitive advantage when he dives. He's not being soft. He's, if anything, it takes skill and determination to realize that quickly. I've been hit. This is believable. I need to lay out. Lay out? Sure. I mean, I have absolutely embellished calls in my life. Sure. It's just, we know NHL players sell calls in order to get them. Sure. But this was a bit much. Oh, yeah. It's over the top. and Especially with McCann suffering in the same way in the same yeah does it does it tarnish the career of cindy crosby in any way no but it's still ridiculous also notable is that Connor mcdavid for his elbow and nathan mckinnon for his helmet chuck were fined the same maximum allowed under the collective bargaining agreement five thousand dollars each somebody pointed this out on twitter that if you make $50,000 a year, that's a $20 fine. Yeah. Like, okay, that's that's really going to do so much to... Or maybe just buy me dinner. And if that's how you pointed out in the uh, in the script for today that Chandler Stevenson threw an elbow and got three games for his... Is the same way with um, a player that threw an elbow in uh, Nashville. That was actually a hockey play. He just had his elbow up high as he was making a check. Two games. If that's how the NHL is going to protect its stars, they're going about it the wrong way. By not protecting them until they get very, very angry and then go and try and merc somebody? Yeah. Don't give men with weapons a reason to use them. And to Connor McDavid's credit, you know, he endured a lot of abuse before he went and tried to kill Jesperia Kakniemi. So it is a failure of consistent officiating and not protecting star players 
with minor penalties for extended periods of time. But finally, we have an answer to the question of who throws the helmet? It turns out it's Nathan McKinnon, and it's awesome. And now we have a wide open Lady Bing race for this year, <laughs> which I know everybody's excited for. Yeah, the one race that's probably still open. It's probably going to be Barkov again then. All right. That's and all I got for today. <laughs> thank you so much for stopping by. Thanks for listening. I was wrong earlier. Uh, we do have a little bit of sun left in Portland, so I think we're going to go enjoy that. Mm-hmm. But we really appreciate everybody who checks in and listens, even if it's just one episode. Thank you so much. We do this to escape COVID boredom. <laughs> but if us doing this allows you to momentarily escape COVID boredom, that's it's a win-win awesome. scenario. Yeah. We feel good. You feel good. And, you know, hopefully those who have COVID uh, start to feel a lot better soon. That fucking sucked. I don't want to say that. I'm editing that. <laughs> I thought that was actually kind of nice. That's not my thing. <laughs> Well, I mean, we can, you know. Anyways. Shout out to Michaela Gaudet's husband. Yeah, get well soon. Thank you for listening. If you are listening to us, you found us somewhere. If you'd like to find us on social media, you can find us at Handsome Hockey Podcast on Instagram, at Handsome Hockey on Twitter. And we also have a Handsome Hockey Facebook page. Our website is handsomehockey.com. And if you'd like to reach out to us, we would love to hear from you. Our email is handsomehockeypod at gmail.com. And you can hear the podcast on pretty much anywhere you find a podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, etc. And, you know, may or may not be available from your local corner newsboy wearing a newsboy hat. Only if they have like a tough Irish accent from like 1926 on a New York street corner. Oh, yeah. You'll find them smoking even though they're obviously 13. Well, you could buy cigarettes when you were 13 mm-hmm. then. Ah, the good old days. Yeah. All right. Thanks again and stay handsome, everyone. Rest day, Beau.